Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men quit pornography. So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey, welcome to Husband Material. Today on the show, I have with me Jenna Reemersma. Jenna is the clinical director at the Atlanta Center for Relational Healing, and she's the author of a new book called All Together You, which I am incredibly excited about. Jenna, welcome to the show. You're the first woman to be a part of Husband Material. Thanks, Drew. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. So Jenna, you were my professor when I was training as a pastoral sex addiction professional, and I will never forget one of the first things you did with our class is you gave each of us a little clementine orange, like a cutie, and told us to take a moment and sit with it and eat it and pay attention to our senses, the touch, the smell, uh, the sound of it kind of popping open. And I was at the moment, I was like, okay, what is going on? What is she doing? And then you said something like, this is the opposite of addiction. I'll never forget that. Could you explain a little bit of, of what you were doing in that moment? Oh, absolutely. I love that. When we attend to anything at all with all five of our senses, we are being present um, to our own experience. And that's the opposite of dissociating. And addiction at its core is a way of dissociating from our present truth. So when we're in pain, when we feel lonely, shame, not good enough, rejected, and we go to an addiction like pornography, it's a way of checking out from that painful experience. When we attend to something, even something simple like a a clementine or a cutie, and we notice it with our eyes and our touch and our hearing and our taste, we are being fully present to our own reality and our own experience. And I think it's a beautiful example of um, just our own human way of living out um, the Emmanuel promise of God with us in our truth. Um, it's, It's not a God over here and me here, and I have to kind of work my way over my path of sin to get to God, but it is a being with. And I think that's so important in our own healing journey from addiction, um, as well as our own spiritual journey to recognize that not only can we be with ourselves in our reality, but that God is right there with us as well. If you're wondering, you know, how does this relate to porn? In some ways, when it comes to pornography, there are parts of us, the part that me that uses porn, the part of me who's sexually attracted to things I don't like, the part of me that doesn't have self-control, that I hate, that I push away, that I don't know how to hold closely. I don't know how to welcome these parts of myself. And what I'm so excited about with your new book is that it helps us become like God and truly experience God and be with God in the middle of our mess in a way that transforms the things that we're struggling with precisely. A hundred percent. I'm so excited about this. And let me just tell you that this is so how God is. You know, when Christ came into the world and he just flipped people's idea upside down of what God was supposed to look like. Um, This is one of those God turns everything on its head kind of moments. You know, he says, hey, folks, my ways are not your ways. 
that could not be more true. Um, what I discovered as a person of faith when I encountered the model of internal family systems therapy, or IFS for short, is that it captured my faith beliefs in a way that helped me have complete compassion for all the parts of me that are doing all kind of wonky things in the same way that scripture has promised me, but that I've never really had the felt experience of. And that's why I'm so excited about this, because I think so often our solution um, to our problems is to move against the parts of ourselves that we don't like, the part of ourselves that's acting out with porn or that's attracted sexually to something or someone that we know is wrong. Um, we move against it, and that doesn't help. It often makes it worse. It may work for a little while, and then it comes back with a vengeance. And the counterintuitive truth of the gospel is that God is not a move against kind of a God. God is a move toward. He did that when he showed up on the earth and he moved toward the most undesirable, the lepers, the prostitutes, um, the tax collectors. And the same is true when we turn the gospel truth inward. The God image within us wants to move toward all parts of us that we can live out of a gospel-centered truth that all parts of us are welcome. And that is the radical good news that I don't think any of us have heard. And I'm so excited to unpack that. Awesome. So if you're wondering, how do I move toward the parts of myself I don't like? How do I stop being at war with my sexual urges and desires and behaviors? This episode is for you. Jenna is here to help us learn how to move toward every part because just like God loves every part of us, including the parts we hate, we are now given a, an amazing tool through internal family systems, through IFS, to be able to do that exact same thing. So if you want to be free and if you want to help others be free, IFS is a tool. Guys, we have to have this in our tool belt. Um, so Jenna, what is IFS and, and how can it help us be free from porn? Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Let's I'm, do I'm all ready. I mean, you know, you once said that uh, this is like a pair of glasses that when you put it on, you can never take it off. Right. So That's give right. us the lens. Yeah, here it is. So I just turned 50 on Sunday. And one of the crazy things that happens when you get to be my age is that when I'm here, I can see the laptop or I can see my Bible in front of me, but it's not in very good focus. If I do this, ooh, now I can see it clearly. The laptop hasn't changed, my Bible hasn't changed, but I have a whole new set of lenses that gives me much more clarity. So I wanna invite all of us to put on a new set of lenses to look at the truth of the gospel together. And to help us do this, I have some very high tech, uh, items here because this just it works better visually okay so let's start with my lipstick i'm apologizing because i know this is a male audience but i don't have a whole lot in my office so. okay and, and if you're just listening to the podcast she's holding a lipstick stick okay let's do it so we are told in scripture that we're created in the image of god that there is an imago dei or a god image at the core of who we are so let's let this lipstick represent that core. If you think of like an apple and the core going down through the center of it, that's 
the essence of who we are. And it's like a core going down through the center of our being. And if you look at scripture, this is the Imago Dei. This is the God image that Christ said was within all of us, whether or not we are people of faith, whether or not we struggle with pornography addiction, this is there. And in IFS terms, this holds the eight C qualities, calm, compassion, curiosity, connectedness, courage, lots of beautiful qualities. In a scriptural reference, we would call this Galatians 5. When we have full access to this, we just overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. And that is always there within every human all the time. But if you're like me, you don't walk around overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit all the time. And that's because we have three kinds of parts that interrupt our access to the God image within us. And the first kind of part I like to call an exile. And so this is going to be, these are my essential oils. It's got a pink top to represent the hot fire of pain. Um, like I said, very high tech. And our exiles are the parts of us that have been wounded in our lives. They carry things like our shame, our guilt, our negative core beliefs. So let me give you an example of how this works. Let's say this is a young and playful, spontaneous part of me that God has created to be uh, joyful and spontaneous and maybe even a little impulsive and creative. But let's say that I grew up in a home where um, dad was a pastor. Mom and dad were loving and great, but I grew up with this awareness that I always had to do it right and be perfect and never mess up because dad's image, the reputation of the church was on the line. So this part of me that's normally playful and spontaneous became burdened with the burden of I'm not good enough or if you really knew me, you would reject me or you would judge me, right? So this now carries my shame. And when I encounter a situation that reminds me of that original experience, so perhaps uh, this part of me became burdened in a congregation early on. And now when I've grown up to become a pastor, or a young person of faith, and I come into a congregation of people who look like they have it all together, this part of me jumps up and obscures my access to the God image that's always within me, and I get flooded with shame and thoughts of, oh my gosh, if you knew what I really thought or what I was really doing, you would judge me and reject me. Okay, well, that feels pretty awful. We can't walk around like that all the time. So we have two ways of coping. We have two different types of parts, and we'll call these protectors, because their job is to protect us from the pain of the exile, this little guy who's carrying shame. We've got a proactive team, and they try to prevent that pain from ever happening. So the proactive team, we call these guys the managers, and man, do our church communities love them. They do it right, say it right, control, people please, perform, do everything perfectly. Um, we also have a manager part that I call in the book a spiritualizer part. Um, that, you'll notice, is very different than the core essence of communing with the divine that is totally unburdened, free-flowing, 
free of shame, free of guilt. It is a burdened part and it's burdened with the need to strive and do the right things and say the right things spiritually so that we don't feel not good enough for God. Whoa, I spent my entire early Christian life Christianing out of this part, my spiritualizer part. I signed up to teach Sunday school because I felt like that's what a good Christian should do. I cooked casseroles to take to sick people, even though I'm a horrible cook and my casseroles probably made them worse. Um, I did evangelism and thumped people over the head with my Bible because that's what I was told you're supposed to do in church, but it never felt like this. This, my core essential connection to the divine, is what happens when we have a mountaintop experience. You go on a retreat or you're in worship music and all of a sudden you have this free-flowing, spontaneous communion with God that feels life-giving. That's the core, true connection to the divine. The shoulds, the judging, the guilt, the shame, the agenda comes out of our spiritualizing parts. And this is going to be important when we talk about pornography addiction. So oh, we, yeah. tend to, <laughs> we tend to love these in church because these guys make up, uh, you know, the 20% of people who do 80% of the work because they feel like they should and they're performing. But when the manager parts who are trying to do it all right and keep it all under control stop working, and eventually they will, and the shame floods forward, so for example, if I've been volunteering so much that I get overwhelmed and then I don't prepare the Sunday school lesson well and now I'm flooded with shame, right? Now I need a reactive team. And these guys we call the firefighters because they basically come in and they see a fire of pain and shame and loneliness and rejection and they want to put it out. That's their whole job. And these guys... All they can see, because remember, it's not who they really were created to be. They've been burdened with the burden of things like sexual acting out, pornography addiction, alcoholism, uh, sex addiction, gambling, eating, under-eating, over-eating, under-exercising, over-exercising, underworking, overworking, self-harm, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation. These little guys most people hate. But they're really good parts. Yes, I just said that your pornography addicted part is a good part. Yeah. You correctly. That is wild, people. And the reason it's a good part is because the pornography addiction is not who this part of you is. Mm -hmm. It is a burden yeah. that has obscured the essential nature, the divine nature of that part of me and it's trying hard to help me with my pain right yeah but it's making it worse and after it acts out to try to make my shame go away my spiritualizer part comes up, or my inner critic and it starts yelling at it and now i have parts at war yeah. and it says it wakes up the next morning and says oh my gosh i can't believe you did that you need to repent you need to go to confession you need to put blocking software you need to call an accountability what is the matter with you why are you more godly and then this part feels horrible and i'm flooded with more shame and then the porn addiction has to jump up and act out again and it's a whole hot mess meanwhile our god image at our core we have no access to because all of our parts have obscured it 
And I would suggest that the answer is not to move against our parts by helping them to fight each other. I would suggest the answer is to move towards. And we can talk a little bit more about how we move towards with the God image within us that holds nothing but compassion and love and tenderness for these parts of ourselves. Yes. And there are always these places within us that the love of God hasn't quite touched. And so it hasn't been able to come in and allow us to feel that love and compassion and really to, to see the truth of why we're doing what we're doing. And it's because we have these parts at war. There's, there's that spiritual part that I hear all the time in my work with clients. Um, and it's the part that is shooting all over myself, right? Both uh, over-functioning and over-extending myself and, and trying to do all the Christian things I should be doing. And then there's the part of me that feels wounded and alone and not good enough. And I want to banish that part and get it away from me. And eventually that part's going to call for help. And here comes the, the porn addiction to protect me from the spiritual abuse that I'm going through. And, and this goes back and forth. Um, it's no wonder that we feel so frustrated and exhausted trying to get free. And yet we're really just making things worse. That's exactly right. Because the more our parts fight each other, the stronger they have to get. Mm. It's like boxers in a boxing ring. If I punch you, you have to punch me. And the more my spiritualizer yells at my porn addiction firefighter, the stronger the porn addiction is going to have to come back up. And so I think where I see the greatest despair in my clients is when this battle is doing nothing but heaping more and more shame on this poor exiled part that's already flooded with shame, rejection, loneliness, and abandonment. And the reality is that in our God image, just like with God himself, the truth of scripture that we often don't experience in the war of parts, we can experience without efforting. And let me explain that. The warring parts are efforting. Try harder. Stop this. Don't do that. And it makes it worse. When our parts feel cared about, appreciated, and understood, they separate, they unblend, they relax, they step back. And the crazy thing that we discover is that that peaceful, compassionate, courageous connection to the divine spontaneously bursts forth when we surrender rather than strive. And that explains the whole reality of the scripture that says, when you're connected to the vine, you will spring forth all the fruit of the spirit. And I used to listen to that in my spiritualizer part. Uh, yeah, no, that is not springing forth from inside of me. I have to effort really hard to be loving, joyful, peace, patience, and all of that. But the reality is it's not efforting. It's not striving. It is surrender. Yes. And so this is why you guys will hear me say all the time, you can be free from more than just the behavior. You can be free from the fight. You can be free from this endless struggle. And this perspective explains why you can go to church and immediately feel the strong urge to use pornography. 
Like, if you're wondering why that's a thing, why that affects you so much, Jenna is letting us into a lens that helps us understand it and allowing us, therefore, to experience God in a way that's actually going to be powerful when we can trade the counterfeit for the real thing. That's right. And it's, it's unbelievably simple, but not um, And what I mean by that, and I'll give you two magic, would you like two magic questions? Please. Okay, excellent. So what is so simple about it is that it is just like when Christ knelt down and drew the line in the sand, he was completely in self. As a matter of fact, I would argue he was the only human being on the face of the planet that ever walked around entirely in self right? The rest of us have the burden of sin that burdens our parts and separates us from the unburdened God image within us. And is that controversial? Yes. Does it change the truth of scripture? No. But Christ was not picking up stones and throwing them. He was also not saying that the behavior was okay. And if you, like me, have wrestled with what the heck does that mean, hate the sin, love the sinner, like, because it doesn't get communicated that way. When, when we do this in our faith communities, it comes across as hate the sin and really hate the sinner and get away from them. That is not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is compassion and connection. So the first thing we want to do when we notice we have a part of is simply ask ourselves magic question number one, which I call in the book, a spiritual MRI. Okay, so get ready, write this down. How do I feel towards, fill in the blank. There it is, that's the magic question. So let me ask you a question. If you're sitting in church and they're talking about purity and holiness and your shame starts creeping up, and because the shame creeps up, your firefighter wants to jump in and go act out with porn, okay? And if I were to ask you in that moment, how do you feel towards the firefighter that wants to act out with porn? Very likely, you would say, I hate it. Okay, I want there's, it to stop. There's I'm, the manager talking. There's the manager talking. Me as I'm not in my God image. Because if I'm in my God image, the only thing I will feel is connection, compassion, curiosity. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. There will be no agenda. This is so important. My manager hates my firefighter and it has a big time agenda to make it stop, right? These two are fighting, okay? If I then can say, ooh, I feel hatred toward my pornography part. And then I simply say, hey, hatred, that makes a lot of sense to me why you don't like the porn part, I get it. Would you be willing to relax back just a little bit so that I could just maybe help the pornography part a little bit, okay? And let's say that the, the spiritualizing part is willing to do that because it feels seen and validated that its concerns are valid. Now, if I ask you, how do you feel toward the part that wants to use pornography and you're doing a spiritual MRI, you're gonna say, oh my gosh, I feel so compassionate toward it. <laughs> Yeah. It's so hard to help me with this shame. Yeah. And right out loud, when I sit in church, I get flooded with shame. I'm so grateful that this part, I don't like what it's doing, but I'm so grateful it's trying to help. Yeah. I'm curious about where it learned to help me in this way. 
I'm curious about why it feels like it needs to keep doing this. So this is not me trying to feel compassion toward it. It is me spontaneously not being able to prevent the compassion. It will naturally be there. So that's magic question number one. How do I feel toward? And the key word is toward. That's exactly right. How, because I want to know how do I feel toward that person, that thing. I can do this with anything. If I think about the political leader that I have the most objection to, how do I feel towards that person? Well, I feel angry. I feel hatred. Oh, I'm not in my God image. Mm. I, I can ask this about anything, a part of me or a person I'm talking to or a political figure. Um, this, is a, this is a beautiful spiritual MRI. Okay? Yeah. Taking the plank out of my own eye. <laughs> and as we do this, I've experienced this. We see just how much of what we think is our spiritual life is actually not coming from God. Yes. And this was such a this was such a, a game changer for me when I began to realize this because part of me knew that my spiritualizing, try harder, do it right, jump higher, perform better, check the boxes, say the right things, hide. That's an important part of the spiritualizer. Hide who I truly am. Mm. Hide, yeah. hide my struggles. Tie it with a bow. Romans 8, 28. It's all working together for good. That's my spiritualizer. And it didn't feel very good. And something in me knew that wasn't working, but I didn't know what. And now I had language for it because I'd had these experiences, but they were much fewer. The, the experiences of the true, gracious, divine presence was so free of condemnation. It was all the things I longed for, but that my spiritualizing part couldn't deliver because the spiritualizing part doesn't have the capacity to. In fact, the spiritualizer is one thing that separates me yeah. from the God image within. It's actually doing the reverse. Yeah. So if we truly want freedom from pornography, mm -hmm. we also have to get free from shutting all over ourselves and learn who this pornified part of me really is. What does it want? What story is it telling? What can I learn from it? You know, what can I bless and not just curse? That's exactly right. And we will spontaneously have compassion. And that compassion and curiosity extends not only to our firefighter part, the pornography addiction, but also to the spiritualizer part. And you may notice when you discover the awareness of the spiritualizer, that a part of you is going to jump up and hate the spiritualizer. And that, again, is just another burdened part that we want to have compassion for. The good news of the gospel is that it is compassion for all of our burdened parts. And not just compassion waiting for you to get your act together and shape up and quit doing that bad thing. Genuine compassion and curiosity. This is so helpful. You promised us that there were two magic questions you would teach us today. What's magic question number two? Yeah, that's great. So magic question number one, just to review, is our spiritual MRI. How do I tell if I'm in my God image or in a part? And that magic question is, how do I feel towards fill in the blank, whatever it is, okay? That will tell me if I feel the fruit of the spirit or curiosity, compassion, connection, I'm in my God image. If I feel anything else, like a desire to make it change or hatred for it, I'm in a burdened part. Question number two is, 
how we interact from our God image with a part. And I'm going to explain this question. And then if you'd like, we could actually do a, an experiential exercise to see what this feels like. Because it's one thing to understand this in our thinking brain. It's a whole nother thing to actually do this with our parts internally. So when I ask the question, how do I feel towards my pornography addiction part, the part that is acting out with pornography addiction. And what comes up for me is, oh my goodness, I feel so, so much compassion for it. It's had to work so hard and it's trying to help me with my shame. Okay, now I'm in my God image. Magic question number two is, hey, pornography part, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't jump in and try to help me by acting out with porn right now. Now, the key question here is not to think of what I think this part would say. That's another part trying to figure it out and do it right, okay? The key question is to genuinely ask this part. And to do that, you have to recognize, this is a separate part of me. I am not just one monolithic person. These parts have their own personalities, thoughts, preferences. And this part has an answer that it can reveal to me. This is not woo-woo weirdness. We're not going to hear voices in our head, but it may show an image, or I may get a feeling, or a memory may pop up, or I may get the felt sense of a response. So what I know from years and years and years of treating sex and porn addiction is that when we ask these questions of these parts, the answer that we get is, well, I'm afraid you'd be flooded with that shame and the sense of not being chosen or not being good enough or not being connected. And so I have to jump in and try to make you feel chosen by having those pixels on the screen choose you. Or maybe it's control. Maybe this exile feels out of control because it grew up in a home where there was abuse or neglect or addiction. And so if I feel out of control, maybe the pornography gives me a sense of control because it's not a real human, not really in the pixel sense of the word. I'm manipulating the imagery. I have control over that human, but this burdened part of me didn't have control when I was young and things were scary. And so it may be that this part developed when I was three, four, five years old and first was exposed to pornography and learned that, hey, this is one area of my life that I can feel control, feel a little bit better for just a minute. This is the one area of my life where I'm not rejected. That's right. This is the one area of life which is always reliable. Exactly. And these kinds of stories will spontaneously come forth, Yes. right? That's exactly right. And when we realize that what's really happening underneath the pornography addiction is that we've got a sad, scared, shamed, mm. lonely part of us that needed someone to be there at a pivotal point in our life. And for whatever reason, the person who should have been there wasn't, either because of a parent's divorce or over-serving in the church and being neglected or because of abuse or abandonment or whatever it might be, yeah. bullying. Yeah. 
And the porn is a solution to that. Mm -hmm. It's an attachment figure. And it's a very sad attachment figure because it hurts us just like our original attachment figure hurt us. But it's the only thing a three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, 13-year-old kid could figure out to try to help. And oh my gosh, doesn't that unlock such deep compassion for all of these parts, which is the precursor to their unburdening, to their healing. Because now I don't view them with shame. I view them with deep appreciation and compassion. Yes. And what I absolutely love about what you just said is that we don't just have to look back and regret that we didn't have uh, those attachment figures. With our God image, we can actually become the adult attachment figure to that wounded younger part. That is beautifully said, Drew, because the reality is whoever wounded us, in my case, it was bullies in high school, but in other people's cases, it's a parent and that person may be dead, addicted, gone in some way. They're, we're not looking to try to point fingers or force someone to be something that they're not able to be. But the God image within us is omnipresent. It is always there waiting like the father of the prodigal son to welcome us home with deep compassion and mercy. Not only our parts that feel shame and vulnerability and rejection and loneliness, but also this precious part that's been trying so hard to give us attachment through pornography. And even the precious part that's trying to make us good enough to be good enough for God by spiritualizing and shaming and shooting, they all get to come home to our deep attachment figure, the God image within. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what Jenna is saying right now. If you're wondering, what do I need to be free from porn? Who do I need to be free from porn? The person you need is you, the real you, the God image in you that has been able to separate from always having to be the manager or the spiritualizer or the exile or the firefighter, like the true, compassionate, courageous, connected you, the Christ in you. Yes. Yes, that <laughs> is the hope of glory. And I want your listeners to know with deepest compassion this is not who you are. Mm. You are not a porn addict. You are a deeply loved child of God with the God image residing at this very moment inside of you. And there is a part of you that is a good part of you, not a bad part, that is trying very hard to help you in the only way it has ever known how that doesn't actually like what it's doing. And if it wasn't so worried about your pain, it could be freed up to do what it was created to do, which is often the very opposite of what it's actually doing when it's burdened. And this is not who you are. This, your God image, the hope of glory, Christ in us. This is a beautiful message of grace. Thank you so much. This is, this is just so awesome. And I love how uh, exactly what you said, our, our 
parts of us can transform. Yes. And, uh, and so that part of me that used to turn to pornography is now more uh, playful. It's, it's now uh, playing music and going to the beach and, and swimming in the ocean. Uh, that's my new uh, forbidden thrill, if you might say, with the sharks all around me. Yes. Absolutely. And here's an important thing. And this is something we don't understand in our faith communities and sometimes in our therapeutic communities. And this is a critical insight of IFS. Okay. This young exiled part that carries our shame and our wounding that is burdened by that and the firefighter that is trying to protect it, this firefighter cannot I'm going to say that again. This firefighter cannot unburden and stop looking at pornography and be freed up to be what it was truly designed to be, which is probably the part of you that wants to invest in deeply intimate relationship until this part is healed. Mm. And that is important. And that's why the message of just stop it doesn't work because it completely disrespects the pain that is driving the addiction. Yeah. So what I hear you say is that actually it's not only porn that is banishing the wounded part of us. It's also the parts of us that we're trying to fix it are also banishing that part of us. Well, they're all locked. All of our protective parts are locked in unhelpful ways of trying to stuff that pain down, but none of them can stop doing what they're doing. So my porn addiction is not going to stop and my spiritualizing is not going to stop. Even if I now have an intellectual in the front part of my brain understanding of what they're doing and why it's not helpful, they cannot stop until the pain of my deep trauma, my exile is healed. Because the internal working of my system is driven by this pain. So there are many different ways we can heal this pain. Uh, it doesn't get better by talking about it or knowing about it. Okay, so talk therapy, I hate to say it, I'm a therapist, so this is painful, is worthless. And so if you've tried a lot of talk therapy and stuff hasn't shifted for you, even though you have developed a lot of really good head knowledge about why you're doing the things you're doing and how they're not helpful, if we don't heal this burden of our core trauma, and we have to do that using therapies that touch the part of the brain where this lives, which is not the thinking part of the brain, because your thinking part is offline when we're acting out. This doesn't communicate right? It lives back here. So that's going to be therapies like experiential therapy, EMDR, uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, or IFS therapy. We un unburden these parts all the time. There aren't a lot of IFS therapists in the world and far fewer that are Christian. Our center, uh, everyone here is, but there aren't many of us. Um, but there are, those are the types of therapies that unburden these parts. And when those parts are unburdened, the firefighters can unburden. And so if you've gone to 12-step groups for a really long time, and you have people in your 12-step environment that just say, just work the program, keep coming back, it works if you work it. That's true. 
And if we don't ever address the core trauma, what you're going to see is I'm an addict for life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to keep having slips and relapses and all this. I have to keep trying, 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 going, doing all the things because I haven't addressed this. And that is the model of once an addict, always an addict, right? Um, and I love 12 steps. Like that, I'm all about it. I think a lot of good healing happens in 12 steps. Um, and I think it, uh, it is very beautifully complemented by healing trauma therapy that allows the need for the addictive behavior to be healed. Because if all I'm doing is pushing against it with my 12 step part, eventually we know what that's going to do. Come back with a vengeance because it's just my parts at war some more. Right. Um, So we need to really go to where the pain lives and heal that, which frees up the rest of the system. Yeah. Are you telling me that I can have deeper healing and, and I don't have to try so hard? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. It's such good news. If you're willing to actually make the investment and find a therapist, really the the next step for many of us here is just to get a copy of your new book. Could you tell us more about Altogether You? Oh, I'd love to. I have my very first copy here. I'm super excited, bought off the presses. So it's available right now on amazon.com. More information on my website, which is jennareemersma.com. And this book, what I've tried to do is really unpack the theology and the, the clinical wisdom that we've been discussing today, not only in helping us understand the model and why it integrates so beautifully with our faith, but also interweaving personal exercises and experiential applications. So we're not just learning more good information, we're actually experiencing it. Because the reality is we all know all the things. We know we should eat more vegetables and drink eight glasses of water and spend quality time with our loved ones, but that doesn't influence our behavior. Knowing more does not change what we're doing experiencing something differently changes how we behave. So the, the um, exercises are in the book and it's also set up uh, with group discussion questions at the end of every chapter. So what we're seeing is that a lot of people are kicking off um, sort of book discussion groups or Bible studies and I'm getting ready to actually film some video segments to introduce each chapter for these groups that wanna do book studies with it. Um, And I've got videos and resources and downloadable worksheets on my website. So feel free to take advantage of those. Great. Everyone, I'm going to give you a sneak preview. We will have a husband material group going through this book. So (laughs) fantastic. Look forward to that. Jenna, thank you so much for being on this show and sharing so much life and truth with us. What is your favorite thing about freedom from porn? Oh, my favorite thing is that when we stop efforting and begin the process of actually surrendering to the God image within, we are flooded with compassion and grace that 
overflows and suddenly so many of the scriptures that I've always heard and always longed for, but never really experienced, but always been kind of afraid to admit I hadn't experienced it. It naturally, spontaneously with no effort overflows when we approach things from this upside down, my ways are not your ways, kind of a God experience. I love it. I love it too. For everyone else out there, always remember, you are God's beloved son, and in you, he is well pleased.